Fanatics Football, the football segment of the Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. I'll be your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate, Matty, and Terry. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? How's it going? All right. In today's episode, this is going to be the last division breakdown for the offseason. We're going to break down the NFC West division. Um, we're just going to talk about uh, different positions for fantasy, and then we'll break down each team um, in, in every area and sort of rank them out. And then we'll finish off with sort of projecting a divisional record for each team. So um, let's just hop right into things. Um, we're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals. And Nate, let me get to you first. Let's talk about the Cardinals quarterbacks for fantasy. All right. So uh, last season, I think Kyler Murray got 23.7 fantasy points per game. He was a starter. He's going to be the starter again, most likely. Um, I'd say he is a QB one. Yeah, honestly, that's pretty much all there is to it. It's pretty solid QB one. Nothing else to say. Um, I'll move into the Cardinals running backs now. Um, and then I guess uh, I'll just start with Chase Edmonds. Um, I know he was the, the second running back on the depth chart last season. Uh, he is projected to be the the, the main guy uh, this year. Um, uh, he was re- relegated to more of a passing down uh, type role last season, but there is a possibility he could uh, get more than that when it comes to carry. So I have him around RB3, RB4. Um, and then I guess in PPR leagues where catches count for more, you're going to have more upside with him, obviously. So that's sort of where I have Chase Edmonds. Um, I also have James Conner here. Uh, he signed in the off season with the Cardinals. Um, he's more that first or second down guy. You're not really going to see him catching out of the backfield. So I guess in like standard leagues where they don't count catches, he'd be more valuable. So maybe like an RB three or four there. So, um, I'm sort of ranking them in the same area until we know who really is the starter there. Um, I guess Chase Edmonds has just a little bit more upside in my opinion, but yeah, those are the running backs. So let's just move into wide receivers. Uh, Mette, I'll get to you. Yeah. So for the wide receivers, I have Deandre Hopkins. I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers in the game. He's going to be drafted first round probably in every league. Um, This is going to be his second season now with Kyler Murray. So it's going to let Kyler Murray get better as he's going to be a year wiser. And they also have established chemistry now. And then I think he'll be a high-end wide receiver one uh, across all formats. Second, I have A.J. Green. I think he's on the decline now as he's uh, 33 years old, so I wouldn't reach for him in the draft, but I think playing with Murray and DeAndre Hopkins is going to help him out for sure. And then I'd have him around like a low-end wide receiver three in deep leagues and high-end wide receiver four in shallow leagues. And then the last guy I looked at was Christian Kirk. He's only 24, so he's got upside and uh, unfulfilled potential. The main concern I have with him is if he's going to get enough targets as he's behind A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins on the depth chart, but I think he'll be a low-end wide receiver three in deep leagues, high-end wide receiver four in shallow leagues. Yeah, for sure. And um, Mete, let me just ask you, I know they just drafted Rondell Moore in the second round this year. Uh, if he ends up being the starting slot receiver, uh, do you see him sort of being fantasy relevant at all? 
It's going to be hard since they already have these three guys I talked about. They've got three great receivers. Uh, I know Andy Isabel, I think, was ahead of him. So we'll see if he can get the slot receiver uh, role, starter role. And if he does, I feel like it's going to be tough for him to get some reception. So, yeah. Yeah, he's probably going to end up being relegated to what Fitzgerald kind of was last year, where he really wasn't uh, dependable for fantasy. Uh, but let's just move to the tight ends. Uh, Terry, let me get to you for that. Honestly, there's not one guy I consider fantasy relevant on the tight ends for the Arizona Cardinals. But if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, you're probably hoping for Max Williams to basically blossom into someone that can basically be a blocking tight end that can like also catch a short route if needed. I mean, he just came from Baltimore this past offseason, and when you're behind Mark Andrews, one of the top five tight ends in the league, honestly, you're hoping for a guy to, like, develop something from watching a guy like that play. And with that being said, I mean, he, um, if we're going back to fantasy, no one's relevant, as I said. We have our options all around for Daryl Jones, Max Williams, Ian Bunting. And with that being said, if you're a fan for the team in general, Max Williams is your guy. Yeah, for sure. I think without guys like Seals Jones and uh, Dan Arnold and others that used to be there, I think it is possible for Max Williams to be fantasy relevant. But yeah, uh, it's really hard to sort of see him as being draftable early on. I guess maybe he's more of a waiver wire pickup, if anything. And um, let's just move now to the LA Rams um, as our uh, second team we're looking at. Um, This time, Matty, I'm going to get to you. Just talk about the quarterback situation there. Yeah, so Matthew Stafford should be their starter. Uh, I mean, this is going to be the best team he's going to be on in his career. So he's going to have amazing weapons to throw to. Guys like Cooper Cup, uh, Deshaun Jackson, who they signed this season. Uh, They got Robert Woods still, Tyler Higby, uh, Daryl Henderson. So he's got weapons to throw to. And I think he's a really underrated quarterback, actually, since he doesn't have a single playoff win. A lot of people like to discredit him for that, but I think since he was playing on the Lions, he didn't have the best teams around him, so it's not really his fault. And the one thing against him is he doesn't have a rushing upside, but uh, despite that, I think he's still a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I'd go low-end quarterback one in deep leagues and high-end quarterback two in shallow leagues. Yeah, for sure. I think that he's pretty much in a good position to succeed. Um, We know Sean McVay is a really brilliant offensive mind, and he'll find ways to sort of get him involved. And he'll definitely be a starting quarterback for you in fantasy, for sure. Uh, Terry, let me move to you for the running backs for the Rams. Well, unfortunately, Cam Akers did get injured with a season-ending injury, so uh, good luck to him in his recovery. But with that being said, for fantasy, Daryl Henderson is basically the main guy there right now. Um, honestly, running back too low for now, but you brought up a stat, I believe, probably two, three weeks ago saying how 250, uh, carries are available now if he does go down. And with that being said, that's a lot of opportunities for Henderson just to break off and become someone that is a guy that can win you your championship. With that being said, I mean, if something happens to Henderson, knock on wood, uh, you got... Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, and Otis Anderson, just in case. Uh, Otis Anderson is the guy that they drafted, I believe, this past year. Jake Funk, 
seventh rounder from, I believe, 2021 as well. And Xavier Jones, I believe he, I can't remember if he was drafted last year, but he's the next guy on the depth chart just in case uh, Daryl Henderson does get injured. So just keep that name in mind as a handcuff if needed. And outside of that, Henderson running back two. Yeah, I think that Henderson's floor is running back two. I think, like you mentioned, with all those carries, he can definitely um, move up higher from there. And um, Nate, let me just get to you now for the wide receiver options for the Rams in fantasy. So I guess I'll talk about um, Robert Woods first. Um, I guess I think last year he got 12.5 fantasy points per game and he got the same amount of fantasy points per game in the 2019 season. But the thing that kind of surprised me was that he only started six games in 2020 and he's supposed to be the starter and he still got 12.5 fantasy points per game. So my thinking is that, um, I think that Robert Woods should at least be like a low end um, wide receiver um, one. I feel like um, he should be able to potentially get 14 um, fantasy points per game. So that would make him a wide receiver one if that happens. Kind of depends on, I guess, how well Matthew Stafford plays, but he should be um, good. And I guess I'll talk about um cooper cup for a little bit Uh, i think a similar situation um he only started three games but he played 15 so i think that he should also be like kind of a wide receiver too at least yeah and um i guess looking at their depth chart there's a lot of other guys uh like van jefferson deshaun jackson two two out while they just drafted i guess do you see any of them being like fantasy relevant or maybe even worth drafting i think maybe uh van jefferson might have some um fantasy relevance but i think for like i guess that either van jefferson or two two out well maybe van jefferson you can make him like um like a wide receiver three or something like that two two at well it's gonna be hard um, to see how well he plays just because there's so many good wide receivers on the Rams. So he's, he might have like um, limited targets. So he might want to, um, I guess, look maybe for like a waiver wire pickup in like the first two weeks and he might still be available. Yeah. I think, I guess for Deshaun Jackson, he's probably like one of those like boomer bust guys where he can like catch a touchdown pass for like 80 yards one game and then maybe the next game he won't do much or he'll like he's had an injury history as well so he's probably one of those guys uh, for the waiver as well um or i guess like best ball leagues but yeah i think that pretty much covers it um i'll just move into the tight ends for the rams for fantasy and pretty much the main guy i have here is tyler higby Uh, he's probably the only one that's going to be fantasy relevant from this team obviously gerald everett uh he's moved on um to the seahawks so higby's going to be getting all the looks um, we know Sean McVay loves targeting the tight ends. Uh, Higby uh, in the season, I believe it was 2019 season, whenever it was hurt, he was pretty much a tight end one and a solid one. So I pretty much have him there around the seventh or eighth tight end to draft. Um, I'm really high on him this year. I really expect him to have a big season, especially with Matthew Stafford, who also likes to throw to tight ends. So there's another benefit for him. Um, yeah. He's a solid tight end one and yeah, go ahead and target him in drafts. So um, yeah, let's just move on now uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. 
Um, I guess this time I'm going to start with the quarterbacks there for fantasy. And this is more of a, a tougher situation to read. I'll start with Jimmy Garoppolo because he's still penciled in as the starter there as we speak. Um, he's more of a guy that either you draft him late as your QB two in fantasy, or you'd maybe look for him on the waiver wire. If you have an injury or you have a bye week um, that's pretty much all he's going to be They're a run heavy offense. So it's not like he's going to get a lot of work in the passing. Um, and then I also have Trey Lance here. Obviously they drafted him third overall in the draft. Um, I, I would target him in your drafts in standard leagues. I guess if uh, he is going to be the starter, if not probably target him in either dynasty leagues or really deep leagues as like a QB two or QB three. And then I guess in terms of, uh, the waiver wire, I guess, just look out for him. Um, and he's pretty much a must pick up if he does get the opportunity to start because of the rushing upside he comes with. Uh, they might not make him pass a lot, but uh, with his rushing ability, he'll definitely be fantasy relevant if he starts. So um, that's sort of my analysis for Trey Lance. Um, and then I guess we'll just move to running backs. Uh, Mete, let me get to you for 49ers. Yeah, so their starter should be Raheem Mostrit. He started last uh, season uh, playing eight games, but he got injured halfway through the season. So, yeah, he only got to play eight games. He had a great uh, average for his yards per carry. He averaged 5.6 yards. Uh, so, yeah, he's very efficient with his carries. And then... I think he's got some durability concerns, though, because he's only played 16 games once out of the five seasons he's been in the league. So he is a bit risky, I'd say. I'd say he's around like a low-end running back two in deep leagues, high-end running back three in shallow leagues. And then I feel like Trey Sermon could be the backup here. Uh, I wouldn't draft him unless I'm in a very deep league or a dynasty league. He was the third round pick this year for the San Francisco 49ers. And then he had great numbers in 2020 uh, for college, especially his yards per carry, which was 7.5. And then I think, like I said, he's going to be the number two running back in uh, San Francisco. Wayne uh, Gallman, who's currently ranked as a backup, uh, I have him as the number three running back, actually. In San Francisco, he did have a solid year after Saquon went down. He became the starter in uh, for New York. But I don't know. I don't think he's going to be fancy relevant this season. And I feel like Trey Sermon's going to jump him on the depth chart. So, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe even by the first week, Trey Sermon could jump up the depth chart. I mean, he might even be our waiver wire pickup for week one. I feel like Trey Sermon... Uh, I mean, they use draft capital on him. Obviously, they're going to use him. Um, most guys that are drafted early, uh, that's what happens. And we know Mostert and his durability. So uh, at the very least, Sermon's going to get at least five carries probably week one with how much they run. And I guess we'll just see what happens from there. Um, but Terry, let me just move uh, to you actually for the 49ers wideouts for fantasy. Two guys come to mind. First guy, Brandon Ayukin. I mean, we've known the story from last year. When everyone got injured in the wideout core, I believe he was the last man standing, something like that. And his stock literally went up through the roof. Uh, probably, uh, if you were playing fantasy last year, probably at least a wideout one for like a long while. And with that being said, um, he's not going to get all the reps that he wants just because of the fact that Debo Samuels is coming back 
and you got to remember um, temper your expectations and as well as uh, what's the next thing I was going to say? <laughs> um, probably just know that his skill is still going to keep him fantasy relevant. Just don't expect a wide receiver one numbers from last year. And with Debo Samuels, I mean, he's not a guy you rely on when it comes to building your wide core for a fantasy team. But he is a guy that can easily be slotted as a flex option or maybe even a strong wide L3 option. Uh, there's going to be some nights where he just breaks off some plays with his legs because he's considered a short passing down type of receiver most of the time when Jimmy G is playing. But, I mean, we're going to figure that out with the quarterback situation in the preseason and maybe even in week one. Uh, so flex, as I just said. And for Brandon, you can wide receiver two or three, depending on your league size. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the reason you only have two wideouts is because we're just going to get into the tight ends uh, for the Niners. And uh, Nate, I'll just let you sort of explain. Uh, so George Kittle, um, he's one of the best tight ends in the entire league. Um, I think last year for half point PPR, he got 12.6 fantasy points per game and he, he was injured halfway through the league. I mean, halfway through the season. Um, assuming he's fully healthy, he should be able to get around 13 fantasy points per game. So that would basically make him top five. There's only actually arguably even like top three. I think maybe like Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, you could put them ahead of George Kittle, but it's going to be kind of hard to put anybody else. So you could say he's like a top three tight end. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the reason why uh, the wideouts won't get a lot of work. Kittle's the main man there. He blocks, he catches, and he breaks tackles. That's pretty much all you need to know about him. And he scores touchdowns, so he's great for fantasy, assuming he can just stay on the field. Um, let's move into the last team now, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Terry, let me jump to you for the quarterback. Guy's been doing it for how long? Uh, probably since most of us have been in high school. Russell Wilson, you don't really need to repeat the name. Honestly, don't stress about this guy if he's your quarterback in your fantasy league. The man's been killing it since he entered the league, as I uh, said. Yes, he's getting up there in age, but that shouldn't make you lose any sleep at night. He's probably in his like early 30s, so temper your expectations, as I always say, on the rushing stats. And you shouldn't even worry about the passing yards just because of how much talent he has at wideout. Yeah, he's, he's a solid QB1. That's all we really need to say. Um, I guess just getting to the running backs, uh, Nate, let me get to you uh, for the Seahawks. So I guess for the running backs, I have um, Chris Carson. Um, I think last year for half point PPR, he got 14 fantasy points per game, but I think he was injured. So that's, I guess, something to kind of think about. Um, he doesn't, he, he doesn't really play, um, every game for the season. He'll maybe like play like maybe 14 or 15 games or something like that. So that's something to think about. Um, I think that um, even with that, he should be around in RB2, though. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think so. And I guess you mentioned sort of his injury um, history. I guess it would be good to draft, I guess, Rashad Penny as like a injury handcuff. Uh, uh, I think that would probably be the right thing to do. I don't know. What do you think? Um, You could draft 
as kind of like insurance, if that makes sense. And then that way you wouldn't really have to worry about would he get injured or not. Um, although it kind of depends on um, if you think anybody else might end up drafting him because you could kind of like take a chance on the waiver wire on like maybe like the first two weeks for Rashad Penny as well. Yeah, because I, I remember last season, both Chris Carson, actually it was all three guys, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, and Rashad Penny were injured. So DJ Dallas ended up getting reps, and he was a pretty serviceable uh, running back too in fantasy at some point. So, um, yeah, I think that um, assuming um, both of them are healthy, I think, yeah, you're right, Chris Carson, solid RB2. Then Rashad Penny, probably take him maybe at the end of your draft as kind of like a sleeper handcuff type thing. Um, and yeah, he should work out for you. And um, let me just get to the wideouts now for the Seahawks. Um, I'm going to start with uh, DK Metcalf. He really emerged last season as the wide receiver one for this team. And I also think he's a wide receiver one in fantasy as well. He's a solid mid-level uh, wideout one. Um, I mean, he catches a lot of uh, passes, whether it's short yards, deep passes. He gets a lot of touchdowns. He's tough to tackle and bring down. So that's definitely a good thing in terms of yards after catch. Uh, so I definitely target him in the first three or three to four rounds of your draft. Um, and then I guess Tyler Lockett. Um, I really like him as well. Obviously he's a little more volatile as he's more boomer bust. There's weeks where he'll get over 30 fantasy points per game. And then there's weeks he'll get under 10. So you just got to be aware of that with him, but I still think he's a, a solid low end wide receiver too. Um, and he does have a little bit of upside if you're drafting him in like deep leagues or best ball. So uh, definitely something to take a look at. And then I also have the rookie, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, uh, I know he is on the pop list right now as we speak, but um, if he does start uh, week one, uh, he's one of those guys you can just take a flyer on as like maybe like a sleeper, um, you know, and just see how he pans out. Obviously, uh, David Moore wasn't really fantasy relevant as the third wide out there last season. But uh, if they really want to capitalize on drafting uh, this kid, Eskridge, then maybe uh, they will give him some passes. So definitely he's, he's just someone to keep an eye on as sort of like a, a bench uh, wide out or, or maybe someone off the waiver. Uh, so let me just get to tight ends now. Uh, Mete, let me get to you. Yeah, so first guy I want to talk about is Gerald Everett. I mean, he's coming off a career high 417 yards on 62 targets with the Rams and Jared Goff. So I think playing with Russell Wilson will be even better for him. And I honestly expect him to be the starting tight end in Seattle. And I think he could have a breakout year with Russell Wilson. And I think he'll be a high-end tight end too. Uh, second guy is Will Disley. He's listed as a starter, but he's only had 29 targets last season over 12 starts. So I feel like he's more of a blocking tight end and yeah, that's why I believe Gerald Everett is the main guy to, to draft from the Seahawks, and I think he'll become the starter there. Yeah, I think you pretty much just nailed it. I, I was thinking the same thing. Disley, I've normally seen him on the field blocking. And then Gerald Everett, we know he was catching passes along with Higby in L.A. So, um, yeah, Everett should be the main guy you're looking at. And obviously, if Wilson's history with Jimmy Graham is any indication, uh, he likes to throw a tight end. So, um, this is definitely a benefit for a guy like Gerald Everett. Um, and that sort of wraps up this fantasy portion of this division. So let's just get into our divisional outlook here. Um, I'm going to start with the quarterbacks in this division. Um, this time, Terry, I'm going to start with you. I guess, where do you rank the quarterbacks in this division? 
if I'm ranking quarterbacks in this division, I got to go with the guy that's been doing it the longest, Russell Wilson at one. Cardinals, I'll put Kyler Murray at two just because of the fact that between uh, three and four and what he's done in the past couple of years, I feel like he's done significantly better compared to a guy like Matthew Stafford, who I'm going to put at three, just because of the fact that now he's on a better team. And let's not forget, he does put up the stats. So hopefully with the better wideout core and probably a better offensive line, as we all know, uh, he's going to just amp up his Hall of Fame resume if he can make it to the Hall of Fame. And at four, I got Jimmy Garoppolo and the rookie. With that being said, we know Jimmy G has made it to the Super Bowl, but right now he's fighting for his starting career with that rookie coming in to take his job. Um, I only put those guys at four just due to the fact that they're a little bit more inconsistent. Plus, it's a rookie, and we don't know if he can do it on the big stage as of yet. But he has been drafted in the first round, so we know he's probably going to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nate, let me get to you now for your quarterbacks. So for quarterbacks, um, I looked at, I guess, uh, QB, half-point PPR, fantasy points per game, and their fantasy point totals. Um, So based on that, I put um, Kyler Murray first, Wilson second, um, Stafford third, and Jimmy G um, fourth. Yeah, um, Kyler Murray is one of those guys he can rush with his legs. So I definitely think that uh, he's going to keep getting better. Um, I know uh, Terry was talking about how Wilson's getting up there in age. So I guess it is possible that we see Kyler Murray sort of overtake Russell Wilson um, this coming season. But I I don't have the same view, I guess. Um, I still think Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in this division. I'm going to put him at number one. Obviously, he has a Super Bowl ring. Obviously, he's been to multiple Super Bowls. There's nothing much more to say, to be honest. Um, I'm actually going to put Matthew Stafford at number two for the Rams. Um, I I love his talent. I feel like he was just in a, in a bad position in Detroit. I feel like he's going to have a great year this year in L.A., I guess, with him and I guess with a, a coaching mind like Sean McVay. I, I really expect it to work. And then I'm going to put Kyler Murray at number three. Uh, just because uh, he he did have that injury last year, kind of affected him near the end. Uh, he could be better than both of these quarterbacks, like we said, but uh, I'm just going to put him at number three for now because he, he still needs to take that next step. And then um, number four, obviously, Terry, you touched on, uh, it's either Jimmy G or Trey Lance, and we don't know who it is. So with the uncertainty there, I'm going to put them at number four. But uh, Mete, let me get to you for quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean... I have the same exact ranking as you, James, and every single point you made, I totally agree with. I think Wilson is a top four quarterback in the league, so I have him as number one. Uh, Stafford and the Rams at two. I mean, like I said, I think he's underrated. He's really good, but he doesn't have the mobility of Wilson, so that's why he's second for me. And then uh, Kyler Murray at three, like you said, he's got great mobility. Uh, the upside is there, but I want to see him fulfill it first before I can put him over a guy like Stafford. And then, like you guys said, whether it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance, I feel like Garoppolo is a game manager and Trey Lance is an unproven rookie. So they've got to be number four for me. 
Yeah, I know I've seen recently. I can't I can't remember if it was NFL Network, but someone said that Trey Lance reminds him of a young Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, why are you comparing them so early? You're gonna gonna put so much pressure on this kid. I mean, so I mean he does look good coming out. Hopefully that can sort of translate in game when he gets on the field. But uh, let's just move into skill positions now. Uh, Nate, let me start with you this time. I guess uh, where do you see each team for skill positions? So for skill positions, I looked at um, receptions and rush totals. So based on that, I put um, the Seahawks first. Um, they were second in both um, rec totals and rush totals. I put the Cardinals second. Um, I think they were first in rush totals. And the 49ers were first in rec totals. I put them third. And I put the Rams fourth. I think they were third in both uh, rec and rush totals. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think my ranking is almost similar to the to yours. I do have the Seahawks at number one. Um, I feel like that they have a strong running back in Chris Carson, solid wideouts in Metcalf and Lockett. And then they have Gerald Everett coming in to play tight end. So I think that they should be number one. Uh, except uh, number two, I actually have the 49ers instead. Um, I really like their offense as well. Obviously, you got Mostert and Sermon there at running back. Ayuk and Samuel are two solid wide receivers. And then you got the best tight end in the division with George Kittle. So I have them at number two. I have the Cardinals at number three. Obviously, um, you got both Edmonds and Connor there at running back. Uh, AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, all those guys at wideout. And then Max Williams is more of a low profile tight end. So I couldn't really rank them higher. And then I guess the only reason I had the Rams at fourth is because of the injury to Cam Akers sort of lowered them for me. Um, they do still have Daryl Henderson, but they don't really have uh, someone proven behind him. Um, I mean, they do have Higby who's solid woods and cup are also solid, but uh, this division is really tough. So I did have to rank them at number four and uh, Mete, let me get to you now for skill positions. Yeah, so I got Seattle at one as well. I believe they're the most balanced team in terms of skills positions for me. I mean, and running back and tight ends aren't the best, but they're solid. And then uh, the Rams at two, I think they would be one as well for me uh, if Akers didn't get injured, but that was um, unfortunate for them. Uh, they've got great wide receivers, uh, Cup. Woods, Deshaun Jackson, they got the solid tight end in Higby, but I think the right uh, running back, Henderson, he's kind of unproven. It's going to be the first time he's going to start pretty much every game unless something happens. And then uh, Arizona at third, they've got the best wide receiver in Hopkins in the division, but outside of that, it's kind of shaky for me. I mean, AJ Green and Kirk is good. Uh, their wide receiver depth is good, but I don't like their tight end situation. Their running backs are also a, kind of a concern for me. Edmonds, we haven't seen him as a starter yet. And uh, Connor, he does pick up a couple of injuries here and there. So it's kind of shaky for me. And then I have San Francisco at four. They've got the best tight end in the division with Kittle for sure, but I think they've got the worst wide receiver group in the division and their running backs are good, but they're not great. All right, Terry, I seen that face. Uh, give me your skill positions. I'm going to piss off Mente on this one. Uh, I got the, well, let me first off by saying everyone got a common denominator in this division. That being your duos at wideout. Uh, Niners got Debo and I believe Ayukin. 
Seahawks, you got DK, and then you got Tyler. With the Rams, you got Cup and Woods. And then I believe with the Cardinals, you got an injured AJ Green. You got Hopkins as always. And then for whatever delusional Cardinals fan that assumes Kirk is going to be out there this year, you got Kirk as well. So decide which one you want there. Outside of that, you're going to have to figure out what position matters to you the most, if you get what I mean. So let me just crack it to you right now. Niners at one, Seahawks at two, Rams at three, Cardinals at four. Uh, with the Niners, I feel like Ayukin is a proven talent. And Debo Samuels, he can – I feel like with the rookie, he is – potential as a player is going to expand. So you're not going to see him catching those short slant routes like MT on the Saints always does. So I feel like that's just going to help him better as a player. And then you got, uh, oh my God, the tight end. Help me out here. I'm just Kittle. Kittle, thank you. So you got one of the better tight ends in the league. And then the running backs, they always manage to like bring another guy in and then they just produce more behind the offensive line. So that's why I got them at one. At two, I got the Seahawks just due to the fact that DK and Tyler are tremendous players. And then you got Carson and Penny as well. But then it's that tight end problem that they have over down in Seattle. Yes, I believe they have Dissy. I'm not a thousand percent sure on that. Uh, yeah, Will Dissy, Colby Parkinson. So I'm not a thousand percent sold on them at tight end just yet. But I respect their depth at running back and wide out. After that, you got the Rams. I mean, they do have a nice duo, but then they're not as game-breaking as the guys ahead of them. As well as the fact that Cup has been injured for the past how many years. So you got to consider that into effect. Plus, they got Daryl Anderson. I would have put them maybe a little bit further. I might have put them a 2A, 2B type of situation with the Seahawks, but... Akins is injured, as we know. And then we got unproven talent behind Anderson. With the Cardinals, don't get me wrong, I like Hopkins, but I feel like the core wideouts outside of them are just going to be either injury-prone or aren't going to live up to expectations. A.J. Green, I know he's a bangle, former bangle that is, but he's been injured and he hasn't been clicking for the past couple of years. So I don't know what that's going to do for the Cardinals. Maybe he does better as a number two option, so we'll see there. James Conner, injured as always. So he's going to have to rely on the curse chase Edmonds. I believe he's on the team still. And then the tight end situation, as I said before, if you're relying on Max Williams as your number one, you're going to have a bad day. But he's a great blocking option that I know for sure. Yeah, I feel like all four of our rankings were pretty different for skill positions. I think I feel like it's just because of how close everything is in this division. A lot of our rankings are just going to be uh, pretty different for that. All right, let's get to the offensive lines now for this division. Um, this time I'm going to start. Um, I have the LA Rams at number one. I just really like uh, what they have for their offensive line. Obviously, Andrew Whitworth, uh, he's been there forever uh, since coming from the Bengals. Um, it's just been so, so solid for them. Uh, David Edwards, Brian Allen, um, they just have a, a lot of solid guys there. Uh, obviously, they've lost a couple guys over, over the past couple of years, but it really doesn't uh, affect my opinion of them. They're well coached. I think that uh, they've been solid. They've made Jared Goff look like a, a pretty decent quarterback. So, I mean, uh, Matty Stafford should have a great line to work with this year. Um, for number two, I actually have the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I really like their offensive line as well. 
Obviously, Trent Williams, uh, one of the more solid tackles there is in the league. Um, Alex Mack, uh, he's multiple-time pro bowler uh, when he's with the Falcons, so I really like him as well. And I guess the rest of that line uh, is just really solid, um, especially uh, George Kittle uh, in terms of his blocking as well. He's one of the best in the league, so I have them at number two. Um, I have the Cardinals at number three. Um, I guess they're more of an underrated line. I feel like they don't get as much credit as maybe they should. Guys like DJ Humphreys, uh, Rodney Hudson, and others, um, I feel like they're really solid. Um, I feel like that this line is just going to keep getting better. Um, Kyler Murray's had a lot of time when he's been in the pocket, so uh, they've done a really good job pass protecting as well. Um, and then I have the Seahawks at fourth. Obviously, we've known how much trouble they've had with their offensive line over the years. Um, I mean, they really didn't draft a lot there. I know they did sign some guys. Um, I'm just really concerned uh, with how much pass protection Russell Wilson's going to get because he's pretty much running for his life every season. Um, and then in terms of rushing, I mean, they are decent for rush blocking. Chris Carson does get some decent yardage, but a lot of times he's, he's just trying to break tackles. So, yeah, I have the Seahawks at uh, number four. And uh, I guess, Terry, I'll start with you this time for the offensive line. I think we basically have the same uh, rankings. First off, I got to go with the Rams. I mean, Andrew Whitworth. Uh, I'm always troubled with that name, even though he's on the Bengals. Andrew Whitworth, been doing it on the left tackle for how long? Probably since we were all kids. And then you got Rob Havenstein. They're both great tackles on the team. Big question is, do they still start Bobby Evans at the guard position? Uh, probably guess that's going to be outdated once preseason comes along but that's the big question right guard I believe uh second you gotta go with the 49ers Trent Williams Lake Tomlinson great on the left side makes a tremendous uh pass protection but then I believe the biggest question is can Mike uh, McGlitchy if I said his name right can he improve his pass blocking because sometimes he allows his guy pass him on the right side, but then sometimes, like, I don't know. Sometimes he looks lost. I just don't want to say that word. But then sometimes, like, he misses his assignment. I don't know a thousand percent, but let's hopefully pray that he gets better. Third, I got to go with the Cardinals, and I agree with you. They're a little bit underrated, but that's just because of the fact that both of these teams in the division are ahead of them. Uh, you got DJ Humphrey. He's a great tackle. Uh, big question is, can they improve on run blocking? Because sometimes I feel like they let their running backs down. Uh, but they're all tremendous pass blockers. And then, as you said, uh, Russell Wilson looks like he's running for his life half of the damn time. And big question is, left guard Jordan Simmons. That's a major question. But then also, can Damian Lewis convert to being a center? And those are the two main questions you're probably going to have into the preseason if you are a Seahawk fan. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, we did have similar rankings, so I agree with pretty much all your points. And uh, this time, Matt, I'll, I'll just get to you, I guess, for your offensive lines. Yeah, I mean, we've got the same rankings. LA at one for me. Uh, probably one of the better O-lines in the league. I feel like they've got two question marks, like Terry said, I think. Bobby Evans, he needs to play better. And Andrew Whitworth, he's 39 years old, so he's getting kind of up there in age. Uh, is he going to be able to keep up the Pro Bowl level play? It's a concern for me. Um, San Francisco at two. They got a good old line as well, but 
I also have two concerns for them. Uh, I don't know who's going to be their starter at right guard. And then center Alex Mack, I feel like he had an average 2020 season and he needs to play better this season. Uh, number three, Arizona. Like Terry said, they're pretty good in pass protection, but the run blocking is lacking. I think they were top 10 in pass blocking and uh, bottom 10 in run blocking, according to Pro Football Focus. And then fourth, I had Seattle, a uh, decent O-line, but they also have two concerns. Uh, Jordan Simmons, I think Terry said, I agree, he's got to play better. And I feel like Gabe Jackson, his play has been on the decline uh, last couple of years. Yeah, um, I pretty much agree with a lot of the points that you made there. Uh, Nate, let me get to you, I guess, for your offensive lines. So for offensive line, I looked at um, sacks allowed. So based on that, um, I put the uh, Rams first, uh, Cardinals second, uh, 49ers third, and Seahawks last. Yeah, I think we're all pretty much on a similar page uh, with these offensive lines. It looks pretty straightforward. I think the Seahawks have a lot of work to do, like you guys mentioned. Probably the best part of their um, run blocking and pass protection has been Will Disley because the rest of the line can't really seem to block at this point. So hopefully they get that turned around. And um, let's now move to the defense. Let's move to the front sevens. Um, this time, Nate, I am going to start with you, I guess. Uh, what would you look at for front seven? So for front seven, I looked at opposing rush yards, opposing rush touchdowns, sacks, tackles, and forced fumbles. So um, based on that, I put the Rams first, uh, Cardinals second, then Niners third, and I put um, the Seahawks fourth. All right. Um, yeah, that is a lot of stats that you looked at. And um, yeah, I'd say in this division, the front sevens are all really close. But uh, I guess, Terry, what's your opinion on the front sevens in this division? Front sevens in the division? Uh, honestly, yeah, let me put first 49ers. Uh, even though they had all the injuries with their injury play last year, I feel like they have enough talent to just remain one of the top <clears throat> five front sevens in the league. With that being said, you got guys like Nick Bosa and D4 just to headline a few on the defensive line. And then they have a deadly linebacking core on that team that should keep them top five at the end of the season if they remain healthy. Two, I got to put Seahawks. Yes, their defensive line is the weak spot. And I still feel like Carlos Dunlap is not going to help them enough. They're going to have to rely on their youth that either they draft or trade or whatever, however they want to get it. But then the linebacking core is second to best compared to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, you still got guys like KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, to name a few. And then at three, I got put Aaron Donald and the LA Rams. Honestly, Aaron Donald is a great player. If we were just basing it on individual performances alone, Aaron Donald is considered the best defensive player in the front seven unanimously. But this is a team sport and you got to rely on other guys on the team. Uh, yes, he's going to demand double and triple teams in the trenches, so hopefully that opens up one of the guys on the defensive line to get a career year, as we've seen in the past with some of the other guys that have been on the team. Uh, the linebacking core is worrying just due to the fact that Ellie manages to trade every pick in their first three rounds every considerate year. And with the Cardinals in four, they have tremendous vets like J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, they need to stay healthy. That's the main thing. 
Uh, linebackers, they do have a couple of guys that look impressive on film. The question is, can they get the stops when it matters the most? And that's my ranking. 49ers 1, Seahawks 2, Rams 3, Cardinals 4, just to repeat it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess looking at my ranking for front sevens, um, I also have the 49ers at number one. I mean, I feel like this front seven is pretty unfair at this point, probably second in my mind next to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, you got like Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. I mean, like you just go through all of the names here. Um, you even got D4, and he's not even listed as a starter. So, I mean, like, they got so much depth here. I feel like with all the injuries they had last year, they definitely needed to uh, shore up some depth. Uh, even guys like Jordan Willis and and uh, Maurice Hurst and other guys, uh, Contavious Street is also really good. Um, yeah, they, they just have a lot of depth here, so they have to be number one for me. Um, I put the Rams at number two. I know that they did lose some pieces, but they're still really solid. Obviously, you have Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year. He pretty much demands a double or triple team on almost every play, I guess, which opens up looks for solid guys like Leonard Floyd. Um, and this guy, um, I'll call him OO because I don't want to butcher his name, but uh, he's also really solid. Um, obviously, um, their linebackers are good. They're not as good as they were last season. Um, so that might be a small concern, but I don't think it's going to be a big concern. I think this team is still really solid. So I have them at number two, um, for number three, I actually put the Cardinals and this is because Chandler Jones is still on the team. I feel like a, a pass rush with both Chandler Jones and JJ Watt, uh, along with, uh, uh, linebackers like Isaiah Simmons, they drafted Zavin Collins. They have Jordan Hicks there. Um, they have a lot of really good pieces, obviously, um, if a guy uh, like Chandler Jones does leave, I mean, Jordan Phillips is still there. He is a decent pass rusher. They have some guys, so I might move them to fourth. But for now, I have the Cardinals at number three. Um, and then I guess number four, I have the Seahawks. They don't have a bad front seven. It's just this division's really stacked. They probably uh, wouldn't be fourth in most divisions. Um, obviously, guys uh, like Bobby Wagner. Um, and you guys mentioned the other names, Carlos Dunlap and others, um, Jordan Brooks. I mean, they do have a good front seven, but I feel like it's it's more on the average side compared to how strong the rest of them are in this division. And um, I guess um, I don't think I got to you, Mete. So, Mete, I'll get to you. Yeah, so I got the same rankings as Terry, actually. San Francisco at one. Uh, you guys went over the names. Um, they had a lot of injuries, like we said. and. It should be business as usual for the front seven in San Francisco. Seattle at two. Uh, I pretty much agree with what Terry was saying. Their defensive line actually isn't that good, but they do have a couple guys like Dunlap and Kerry Hyder. I feel like they're the bright spot. Uh, their linebackers are great, though. I mean, Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, they make up for it in my eyes. And then... Number three, the Rams, like Terry was saying, uh, Aaron Donald's the best pass rusher, but it's just him, I feel like, in this front seven. And Floyd is decent too, but I feel like if he was on another team, he wouldn't have as good numbers as we were talking about Donald getting double or even triple team. So it kind of opens it up for him. And I did, I do agree with what he said about the linebackers. They're kind of a concern for me too. And then Arizona at four. Uh, I know a lot of people are excited about the J.J. Watt pickup, but I don't know. He's been very injury-prone lately, and he's getting up there in age. So we'll have to see if he's still the J.J. Watt we all know. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that um, all the front seven should be really good in this division. It's going to be tough uh, to sort of run uh, here. And I mean, a lot of the pass rushes are really solid here as well. So I definitely like that. Uh, let's move to the secondary now. Uh, Nate, let me start with you, I guess. Um, which teams do you like for secondary? Um, for a secondary, I put um, the Niners first, the Rams second, the Cards third, and the Seahawks fourth. Um, it's really hard to rank them because they're all um, really good in specific places. For example, the Rams are really good at um, keeping the opposing QB's completion percentage down. Um, Cardinals are really good at getting touchdowns by space off an interception. Seahawks are really good at getting interceptions in general. So, and yeah, yeah, it's really hard to rank them. So I just decided to rank them based on this. Yeah, honestly, I can't really fault you. They're all really close. So you can pretty much put them in any order depending on how you feel. Um, I guess for me, um, I went Rams at number one. I just really like Jalen Ramsey. I've always uh, thought he was a stud corner, even back when he was in Jacksonville. Um, he really carries this secondary. Um, Jordan Fuller is also really solid. Um, Darius Williams as well. Um, they definitely um, have guys coming up as well um, that, that can play. So um, I definitely like what they're doing there in the secondary. Um, Ramsey pretty much covers half the field on his own. He'll shut down any number one wide receiver. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Hopkins or Metcalf, he'll pretty much be glued to them the whole game. Uh, so definitely uh, something to like there. Um, I guess for number two, um, I put the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I definitely like what you were saying, Nate. Um, I think that as a unit, they're really solid. Obviously, they don't have a lot of big names. Uh, Jason Barrett's really good. Uh, Jimmy Ward as well. Dante Johnson. Uh, Kawan Williams. They're all really solid. Um, I feel like as a unit, uh, even guys like Emmanuel Mosley, um, he, he looks really good uh, even in this unit. So, um, yeah, I guess the, the coaching is really good for, for this 49ers uh, secondary. So I like them at number two. Um, and then I put the Cardinals at number three. Obviously, they have a stud safety in Buda Baker. Uh, you mentioned uh, interception touchdowns. He's one of the best at that, obviously. Uh, they got Malcolm Butler here as well. Uh, Deontay Thompson, Charles Washington, um, Byron Murphy. Like They have a lot of good names here, and um, they're, they're definitely going to be really solid this season. Um, and then I'll just move to the Seahawks. I have them at number four. Um, it was a tough uh, thing to rank them at fourth because they do have some good players here. Obviously, uh, Jamal Adams, um, he's an amazing strong safety, a really a good pass rusher. Um, you got Trey Flowers here. Um, you got Quandre Diggs. You got like a few other uh, good players here that have been really solid. Um, but just compared to the rest of the division, I just can't rank them anywhere higher than fourth. And uh, Mete, let me get to you for secondary. Yeah, I mean, we've got the same ranking, LA out one. Uh, I really like the duo of Ramsey and Darius Williams, and I agree, Ramsey is a premier shutdown corner in our league, in this league. And then uh, San Francisco at two. Uh, I also agree with what you said. I don't really think they have a lot of stars in their secondary, but as a unit, they definitely play well together. Uh, Arizona third, they just got Malcolm Butler, uh, Buda Baker coming off a breakout year. And then number four, I mean, when your main guy in the secondary is known as Blitz Boy, uh, it's kind of concerning as like his coverage skills aren't the best, but he is a good pass rusher. So, yeah, I mean, 
if you're known as a pass rusher as a safety, it's kind of concerning, I think. Yeah, I think that uh, he's definitely suited more for strong safety. I don't know if he could really play free safety as well because he really doesn't have the interception totals uh, for that. Um, his coverage is decent, but yeah, I understand what you're saying um, for Jamal Adams. And I guess, Terry, I'll finish off with you for secondaries. Honestly, half of the time, me and Menti say the same exact thing. So I kind of consider what I got to say is like repetitive. Uh, let me first off just say Rams won. Niners two, Cardinals three, Seahawks four. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, as James said, covers half of the damn field, so you don't got to worry about that half inside. And as Menti said, Darius Williams, they make a nice combo duo at the cornerbacks. Uh, second, you got to put the Niners. They don't have star talent anymore, but I feel like they all get along, if you get what I mean. The problem is if they get hit with the injury bug like last year, you can count this secondary out. With the Cardinals, yes, they got Buda Baker, Malcolm Butler, uh, and as well as all those safeties that they have acquired over the past couple of years, Deontay Thompson, James Wiggins, to name a few. Uh, got to put them at three. And then Seahawks, as Menti said, Blitz Boy or whatever you, you want to call this guy, uh, he probably fooled half the league when he went over to the Seahawks in the first place. Uh, what do you go for, a second rounder or something like that? Anyways, I feel like they just won that trade just off of that alone. Uh, with that being said, cornerback depth is going to be a major problem for the Seahawks this upcoming year. And I'll be honest with you, everything after the Rams, I feel like, is bottom tier 16, if I'm being straight up with you. The Rams are probably the only decent secondary in this division, while everyone else is just trying to piece together it still. You might see them upgrade a little bit more in the upcoming years, maybe even crack top 10. Uh probably as quick as maybe next year, maybe the year after that. But outside of that, Rams are the dominant secondary here just because they have that game-breaker in Ramsey. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we are slandering Jamal Adams a little too much. I feel like this defense does play better when he's in the lineup. We saw that last season. He did miss some games. But when he was there, this defense just performed better overall. So I think um, there is there is a reason he demanded that kind of contract. And uh, we can argue whether he's worth it or not. But I think he is a, a very strong piece to that secondary. Um, let's just move uh, to special teams now. Um, Mete, I'm going to start with you this time. I guess, so who do you like for special teams? Yeah, so I like Seattle as my first team. Uh, I like their kick and punt returner in Tyler Lockett. I think they got one of the better kickers in Jason Myers and Michael Dixon, I think, is one of the best punters in the league. Uh, Arizona at two for me. Uh, I like Chase Edmonds as a kick returner. And I think they did upgrade with Matt Prater at the kicker position. Uh, San Francisco, number three. I'm not too sure about the returners there. Robbie Gold, he's solid. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski, I think he's one of the better punters in the league as well. And LAF4, uh, like San Francisco, I'm not sure about the returners. Uh, but unlike them, I feel like their kicker isn't as good as Robbie Gold. Matt Gay, I think he's on the average side. And then Johnny Hecker is also a really good punter. All right. Yeah, um, I definitely think the, the Seahawks are number one as well. I have them ranked number one. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jason Myers, really solid. Michael Dixon, probably top 10 punter in the league if I'm 
sort of um, j- just sort of taking a look at that. And uh, like you mentioned, Tyler Lockett, he's probably one of the best um, punt returners in the league. There's a reason he still plays special teams, even though he's sort of elevated his game in terms of being a wide receiver. Uh, all really solid. So Seahawks, number one for me. I have the Rams actually at number two because I really love Johnny Hecker. I think he's like a top three punter in the entire league, in my opinion. Some of the things I've seen him do, he's pretty amazing. Uh, Matt Gay's not a bad uh, kicker as well, so uh, I will give them that. And obviously for punt and kick returners, um, it's probably going to be someone like Tutu Atwell. Um, we'll definitely see how he holds up. Uh, as a rookie so that's the only part i'm really not sold on but the other two positions are definitely really good um i have the cardinals at number three um like you mentioned matt prater solid kicker uh there's nothing much more to say uh, andy lee at punter and then chase edmonds and potentially rondell moore returning so uh for, for them this year so I, I definitely like uh that and then i guess for number four i just put san francisco obviously you mentioned robbie gold he's really solid um, and then you just mentioned that uh, they're punting and kick returning. Uh, they don't really have an established name there. And I think I can agree with that. So I have the Niners at fourth, but uh, I guess I'll get to you, Terry. Honestly, I don't have the courage of putting Seahawks at number one. I'll tell you quickly uh, once I get to them. The rest of the guy, I put Cardinals at one, Niners at two, Seahawks at three, and Rams at four. Uh, with Cardinals, you got Matt Prater, Chase Edmonds, Rondell Moore. Uh, Prater's probably the best kicker in the division than Chase Edmonds. He's still a return specialist, even though he has developed his running back skills. And then Rondell Moore, uh, respectively, they both had 23 yards and I believe seven yards. And then with the Niners, you have Robbie Gould, Richie James, and River Carraft, I believe his name is. Uh, I believe they're all second best in the division, whether it be at kicking, uh, punt returning, or returns and then with the Seahawks let me explain furthermore uh Jason Myers he's a great kicker but I feel like he's playing third fellow behind Google and Prater and then with Lockett don't get me wrong I like him as a special teams guy but in recent years you slowly see his opportunities with the special teams decreasing and last year I think he probably only had like one or two give or take and then they got Ugo Ahmad I believe he was a special teams guy back in Oregon State and probably averaged around like 16 yards upon return. So you got that there. And then you got Matt Gay and whoever they're going to have in the special teams unit with the LA Rams. And I got to put them at fourth just for that. And that's all I got to say. All right. And um, I guess I'll get to you, Nate. I guess uh, who do you see for special teams? For special teams, um, I put Seattle first. Um, I was looking at, I guess, field goals made, field goal percent, uh, punt return, kick return, um, and I guess punting yards. Um, Seattle is like ne- either they're either on the top in their division in a stat category or they're near the top in pretty much everything. So I put them at first. Um, 49ers, they had a really solid punt return um, last season. Um, I think that's the only stat that Seattle isn't first in, if I'm not correct, if I'm correct. And 49ers also had really good um, field goal percentage. So put them at second Um, Rams. They were second in field goals made. So I put them at third Um, Cardinals. I put them at fourth, but they're not necessarily bad in any category. It's just that, 
the other three are just really good. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that um, we might have different orders, but I think all the teams are around the same. I think that they'll definitely um, have decent special teams this season. And um, let's just move into coaching. Uh, Terry, I'll start with you this time. I guess, where do you see the coaching in this division? Uh, first off, we're coaching Seahawks, Rams, Niners, and Cardinals. Pete Carroll, I mean, he's been doing it for Lord knows how long, won the Super Bowls. Uh, old man in a sport where some guys just get booted for some of the most unknown reasons or unrealistic reasons. So you got to put him up there first. Secondly, I got uh, Sean McVay, I believe his name is, on the Rams. He's been doing it for a while. I believe he has one Super Bowl appearance. Am I right? Help me out here, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So got to put him up there just for that. And with the Niners, I believe they have Kyle Shanahan. Um, his history career does, or his career history is like a little bit foggy in my mind. I feel like he had time with the Washington football team, Redskins, whatever you want to call them. Outside of that, um, can't remember that much about him. And then with the Cardinals, I feel like with Cliff Kingsbury, his time is limited with the Cardinals. So I just had to put him at four just for that, unfortunately even though I feel like he's going to progress as a coach later on into his career. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess, uh, Nate, let me get to you for your coaches. Um, for coaches, um, I also had Pete Carroll first. Um, he did uh, win a Super Bowl. Um, I think it was Super Bowl 47, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I put the 49er seconds. Kyle Shanahan did go to the Super Bowl in 2019. Unfortunately, um, Kansas City uh, was KC Nation, so there was there was just no way to beat them that year. And I put the Rams third. Um, Sean McVay did go to the Super Bowl in 2018. And I put the Cardinals fourth. Unfortunately, um, no postseason success yet with Cliff Kingsbury, but there might be a chance in the future. Yeah, actually, I'm going to agree with you. I had the exact same ranking as you as well. Um, Seahawks at number one, obviously, Pete Carroll, just one of the longest tenured coaches in the league. I've uh, been to multiple Super Bowls. Uh, he won. Uh, it was either Super Bowl 47 or 48. I can't remember which one. Um, but yeah, um, he obviously has the biggest resume uh, out of all the coaches, and he's been there the longest, so number one for me. Uh, number two, I have the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Shanahan's been to multiple Super Bowls, whether it was with Atlanta or San Francisco. Also, he's been a coordinator for many other teams. I think someone mentioned, mentioned Washington. And um, he's just, um, he's pretty much the, the general there in San Francisco. He manages the team as well as coaches. And I think he's done a really good job with them. So I, I have him at number two. Uh, number three, I have Sean McVay. Obviously, he's one of the brightest young minds in the game in terms of coaches. Uh, his coaching style sort of comes from Kyle Shanahan. So I kind of felt like I had to put him underneath Kyle Shanahan uh, just based off of that. Um, but yeah, he's really solid. Obviously, you guys mentioned he's been to a Super Bowl. Um, and I think that he has more uh, Super Bowl appearances in his coaching uh, career coming. So uh, he's definitely really solid. And then I have Cliff Kingsbury at number four, obviously, just because he hasn't made a playoff appearance yet. Uh, with the Cardinals, he's been close on multiple occasions, including last season. So there is a chance that they take that next step this year. And then maybe uh, he'll sort of move up my coaching ranks. But right now I have him at number four. And uh, Mete, let me get to you for coaches. Yeah, so Seattle's uh, first for me. I mean, Carroll's the only one who's won a Super Bowl in this division. So 
it's got to be number one, even though he did make a questionable call. Instead of running the ball with Marshawn, he threw, but at least he has a ring. Uh, he has a pretty solid record as well, 145, 94 losses and one tie. Regular season record, 11 and 10 in the playoffs. I went with the Rams at second. Uh, the Rams haven't had a losing season under Sean McVay yet, and they have a 43-21 and 21 regular season record, and they were 3-3 three and three in the playoffs with them so far. I went San Francisco third, Kyle Shanahan. He's only had one winning season with the 49ers so far, although the first two years, the team wasn't that great, and last season there was a lot of injuries, so I don't think it's all his fault, but he does have a 29 and 35 regular season record and he's two and one in the playoffs. And then Arizona at four as well. I mean, uh, Cliff Kingsbury has yet to have a winning season in Arizona, but that's bound to turn around. I think he has a 13, 18 and one record. So yeah, he's got to be number four for me. Yeah, I think that that's sort of a consensus for us uh, until the Cardinals sort of do something. Uh, Kingsbury's going to sort of be on the bottom of the list in terms of coaches in this division. Um, I guess adding up our totals um, in this division, um, I'll start here. Um, I have the Rams at number one. This was really close for me. I don't know about you guys, but I think uh, the first three teams were divided by like one point for me. So I had the Rams at number one, I had the Seahawks at number two, and I had the 49ers at number three. And then the Cardinals were a few points down after that, and I have them at number four. Um, so I guess, uh, Nate, where do you have your teams? Um. It was really close. Um, Seattle and the Rams, they were pretty much tied in my rankings. So I just put the Seahawks first and I guess the Rams second. You could put the Rams first potentially depending on how high you see their ceiling, but I just put the Seahawks first for now. And same situation with Cardinals and 49ers. You could... Uh, you can kind of switch their positions for me, but I just put the Cardinals at third and the 49ers at fourth. All right. And uh, Terry, let me get to you for your totals. If you're not putting any emotions into this, you want to, and you just look at your list. Honestly, for me, I had Niners at one, Seahawks and Rams 2A, 2B, honestly, and Arizona at three or four or whatever you want to have it. All right, Mete, and then for you. Uh, Seattle 1, Los Angeles 2, Arizona 3, San Francisco 4. All right, and um, let's just move into uh, divisional record now. Um, Mete, I'll start with you here. I guess, what are your projected divisional record in this division? I kind of played it safe, actually. Uh, I went 3-3 three and three for all the teams, like – we were saying this is one of the closer divisions and I don't think I can't really give anyone a sweep over another team. So I just played it safe and I said, everyone splits a game in the division. Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying in terms of like how close this division is. Um, I guess Terry, um, Mr. Controversy, when it comes to divisional records, uh, what do you have here for your divisional records? If I was controversial, I'd put Arizona at 0-6, but nah, I can't. Because this is a pretty cutthroat division. With that being said, I mean, all these teams are 
have strengths and then some have weaknesses. So I gotta play everyone at three and three, just like Mente. This is this division I feel is gonna be too tight this year. Yeah, honestly, one win here, one win there can sort of change the entire landscape of the division. I get what you're saying. Um, I guess Nate, uh, for you, um, who do you have for division records? Yeah, it was like they were saying, like it's gonna be really back and forth. So um even if it doesn't end up being three and three for every team, I think like every game is going to be must must watch for this division. Um, I think, I guess just to be different, I decided to put um, Seahawks and Rams and give a a little bit ahead, give them both an extra game over the 49ers and the Cardinals. So I guess Rams would be four and two, Seattle would be four and two, and then 49ers and Cardinals would be two and four. Yeah, I also decided to be different as well. Um, I had the Rams uh, leading uh, with a four and two record. Um, they won um, against Arizona both games. They also won at home versus the Seahawks and against the 49ers as well. And then their only two losses were in Seattle and in San Francisco. Um, I had the 49ers at a three and three record. Um, they would, I had them winning all their home games and losing their road games uh, for all for all three splits. And then uh, for the Seahawks, I also had them at three and three. Um, they won at home versus the Rams and the Niners, and they won in Arizona. And then their losses were um, in San Francisco at home against the Cardinals and in LA. And then I had the Cardinals uh, with a two and four record. Um, they won in Seattle and at home against the 49ers, and they lost both games against the Rams, and they lost in San Francisco and at home against the Seahawks. So, um, that's sort of my projected divisional record. Um, and I guess, um, Mete, I'll start with you. Any last thoughts for this division? Uh, it's going to be a tight division. The main concern I have with the 49ers, why I have them at fourth, is I'm not a fan of the offense. I feel like they're going to have trouble scoring, but they have a monster defense. Other than that, I this is a really tight division, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, um, Nate, uh, any last thoughts, um, I guess, for you uh, for this division? Um, I guess, um, I guess in terms of the Rams ceiling, pretty much um, it can be anywhere. Um, I think Matthew Stafford threw for 4,000 yards on the Lions. And that was low for Matthew Stafford. He normally gets 4,500 yards thrown on the Lions. So um, this year on the Rams, he could really be as as good as like anyone, basically. And I guess in terms of um, the 49ers um, secondary, I feel like if they're fully healthy, they could possibly be um, close to the best secondary. Yeah, I think for me in this division, um, it really comes down to like, I feel like the Rams and the 49ers, they are pretty close. They have a lot of similarities. Obviously, the quarterback upgrade for the Rams really helps them. Um, And then you sort of got the Cardinals who, uh, you know, obviously Chandler Jones might not stay. Uh, We don't know, um, I guess, how A.J. Green will do. There's a lot of question marks about that team. I know Mente mentioned J.J. Watt might be a question mark for them as well. I feel like they have a lot of question marks. 
so they, they might be a tier below both the 49ers and the Rams in my mind. And then the Seahawks are sort of like that wild card team where like, if like guys like Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and like Jamal Adams can like carry this team, they could easily be the best team in this division. But also if, you know, uh, something happens and maybe Wilson's not himself or, or whatever, they could, they might even be the worst in this division uh, because we've seen their problems with offensive line and just not having enough depth at certain positions. So um, I feel like Seahawks are more that like wildcard team uh, sort of metaphorically speaking in the sense that they could move like all over the board in this division. I don't know, Terry, what, what are your last thoughts? Last thoughts for every team uh, with San Francisco, you're hoping for that quarterback decision to come quickly and build your chemistry around whoever you got. Calling the plays, with that being said, uh, you have the talent at in the trenches and in the skill positions to be able to be a wild card team. Uh, with the LA Rams, you got Matthew Stafford. Hopefully he pans out as your quarterback for the team. Uh, with that being said, they have a great offensive line to keep them upright. You're just hoping for the depth outside of Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald to hold up so you can manage to keep this defense uh, pretty stout. Uh, with Seahawks, as you're saying, uh, the battle is in the trenches. You got to make sure that offensive line keeps Wilson upright. He's getting up there in age. And you're hoping for that defensive line to create more pressures because they are one of the worst ones in the, I wouldn't say the, just the division, but in the entire NFL. And who did I not cover yet? Arizona. Cards, yeah. yeah, Cardinals. So with that being said, uh, Mente and you just said it. It's the vets that you're going to have to worry about. Can they stay healthy? And if they stay healthy, you can see this team easily being a wild card team as their floor. And possibly Kings can get his first win in the postseason. And one of my mistakes were probably the Mike Shanahan or the Kyle Shanahan thing. I mistaked him with his father when he was the head coach as a Redskin. So I think he was, what, the OC at the time? Something yeah, around. he he was there for sure. Yeah, I, yeah I that's my point. I kind of mistaken him with his old man, so... That's what I just realized when you said offensive coordinator, when you corrected me. So I was like, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's been solid. Yeah, he's been solid everywhere he's been. Um, I feel like that um, that sort of Shanahan system for offense has been used by a lot of coaches, including guys like Sean McVay. So uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of coaches have sort of learned from him and his family tree sort of when it comes to football. Um, but yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything in terms of this division. It's going to be close. Like we've all said, um, one injury can sort of derail teams. Like I know San Francisco had multiple injuries last year, Jimmy G, Nick Bosa, um, and others. I know Sherman was in and out. Um, there were a lot of guys, Raheem Mostert, uh, I think someone talked about uh, in, being injury prone. Um, so yeah, the, they just weren't able to stay healthy last season. If they can't stay healthy, they will be a good team. We know that. Um, obviously this Cam Akers injury was a blow to the Rams. Hopefully they don't experience any other major injuries. And then I guess for the Seahawks, yeah, Russell Wilson's their guy. He's got to stay upright. Like you guys mentioned, the line's got to do him some justice, uh, because if he goes down, I think that's going to be their season. So, um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered any, everything. So, um, that's going to be the end of this episode of fanatics football. Uh, just check us out on Instagram and Twitter at fan fan podcasts. I know we might not be posting picks for all of the preseason, but we did post for the hall of fame game. So make sure you check those out. Um, we definitely starting off the season, right? One and oh for the preseason. So make sure you get your picks from us. We always got the, the top picks there that are out there. Um, check us out for the podcast on YouTube. 
Uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Make sure you click the bell for notifications on YouTube. Make sure you leave us a review. And uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, this is the end of this episode, and we'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Thank you.